Welcome back to another episode of Authentic Influence. I'm your host, Adam Connor, and this week we have a conversation with Linda Boff. Linda is the Chief Marketing Officer of General Electric and also serves as the Chair of the Ad Council. We cover a number of great topics today, like the mantras that Linda relies on to help her lead her team. We talk about focusing on the human aspect, prioritizing mind share over market share, the public's increasing lack of tolerance for commercial interruption. We talk about what brands can do to become more bespoke for their consumers and some new digital media and concepts that fuse content, design, and technology. All of that, plus her view on what other brands are prioritizing via her position on the Ad Council, as well as some tips on how to become more authentic, coming to you right now. So without further ado, here is our interview with General Electric's Linda Boff. Linda, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's wonderful to have you. Oh, Adam, it's great to be here. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into a a bunch of uh, different topics and lots of things to cover. But the first thing that I wanted to do, I wanted to level set with your journey to CMO at GE. And the reason specifically is because I understand that uh, you come from a liberal arts background. And a lot of the people that I talk to have heavy, heavy marketing experience when they dive into a, to a marketing role. And I understand that you had a little bit of more diverse background in the come up. Could you talk a little bit about that as a start? Yeah, I'd love to. So, um I, as you say, am a classic liberal arts major. My major was political science and psychology, not marketing, not economics. I don't have an MBA. Maybe I'll get in trouble ultimately for admitting that, but I'm a um, uh, proud liberal arts graduate. And, you know, it's kind of funny, Adam, these days, I almost feel as though a liberal arts degree is is getting to be a bit of a luxury, Um, but I cannot think of a better background um, to be grounded in a variety of topics to know how to think, um, to have the opportunity to study English and study history and understand context. And I guess with my psychology part of my degree to also understand human behavior. And I, I'm feeling we'll wind up talking about that a lot. So um, so I wouldn't trade my liberal arts uh, BA for anything, um, despite the fact that it's that's perhaps a little uncommon. Um, I also would say in terms of, of my journey, um, hasn't been a straight line. Um, in fact, I'm not sure I really believe in straight lines, at least for me. I have had more of a zigzag In my career, Um, I've been incredibly fortunate in some ways. Um, I've always been very passionate about um, marketing, marketing communications, advertising, sort of the overall space. But I've approached the the role that that I have now not as a ladder, but really as uh, as you know, sort of a series of right turns and, and left turns. Um, I, my experience is in a variety of different industries from broadcasting to financial services um, uh, uh, to a, a, a big museum in New York City where I ran marketing. Um, to uh, GE a decade and a half ago where I came in in a role that's very different than the one I have now. So perhaps since this all sounds so disjointed <laughs> to the folks listening, let me try to identify a couple things that, that, that connect those dots. One is passion. 
um, following opportunities that that are ones that I find open up new doors, uh, doors that I haven't been through before. Um, following um, great leaders, I've had the opportunity, not every single job, but um, much more often than not, to work for um, people who are visionaries and work for whether it's a, a company or or a um, uh, an institution that is trying to unlock something new, and I find myself drawn to that. I uh, you know that idea of being part of a change, part of a disruption, is always something that's very tantalizing to me. And frankly, taking steps that aren't a um, uh, a mirror of anything I've ever done before. So I like the unfamiliar. I like the gray. I like the unknown. And somehow or other, um, maybe I have like a little guardian angel or something that has put me in this unbelievable seat to be CMO as well as head of learning for uh, for GE, which is, you know, I think the best job in the whole world. So so there you go. I don't know. I don't know if that sounds like a, a journey or that sounds like a, a series of, you know, you know, one place to another. But to me, I have focused a whole lot less on what's next and a whole lot more on doing whatever it is I'm doing in a way that I'll be both proud of and that perhaps is a way that it maybe wasn't done before. Well, I think that's a wonderful perspective on on both dimensions, both of the series of left turns and right turns, uh, diving into the unfamiliar, as well as to speak to the to the original of, of having that sort of uh, diverse and uh, and that liberal arts background. Listeners will remember that in our last feature with Jed Berger from Foot Locker, you know that was the same story with him. You might remember with Raja Rajmanar at Mastercard uh, being being a fan, actually uh, an advocate of those who are who are generalists. And you know I think we're seeing this more and more. And I and I do personally perceive. Uh, sort of that liberal arts degree is, is sort of a, a luxury today to have. And uh, don't worry, I won't tell anybody about that MBA or lack thereof. Don't worry about <laughs> no, that. No, no. Now, now that it's on this podcast, nobody will know. So it's the secret safe, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> um, okay. So let's let's dive into, though, now that you are at the helm and, and you've been doing so many great things on the marketing side and have so much experience there, I've read that you have a set of mantras, all right? And these set of mantras helps drive the way that you lead and it helps guide the way um, that you are leading the marketing force at GE and, and beyond. And I'll talk about that beyond a little later in the episode. I believe they were eight, but I want to start with one of them because I know that list includes focus on the human aspect. And you said we get into uh, human behavior uh, through this episode. And this is, uh, for the listeners, the notion that marketers should behave like a person does and not like a brand. So um, diving into that, I'd love to ask, how do you encourage your team to prioritize, let's say, mind share over market share? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. Let's, let's unpack it a little bit. So um, I think, you know, we all are on um, social media, on our feeds, probably way too much. And, you know, you think about, I think about what draws me in, what engages me. And it is invariably something that has a level of um, accessibility, of humanity, of genuine um, provoking curiosity. And I think it is very hard for most brands, and there are exceptions out there, to show up as a person would. And yet, when you think that way, when you think about what's our voice, 
who are we? How do we, how can people, because whoever we're talking to, whether that end user is a industrial company or an institutional investor or an individual coming to, to um, potentially work at a company, you know, they're just a person, right? You know, they form a view. So I think when we show up in a way that is inherently human, that's accessible, Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's droll, sometimes it's poignant. That is a, that is relatable versus a nameless, faceless company that is, you know, made up of 300,000 people. I think that's hard to relate to for most people. So so being being um interesting, being human, whether that's our 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 technology, our our nerdiness, which we love and embrace, our foibles, our history. Um, this is being recorded on the 75th anniversary of, of D-Day. This morning, we ran a story on one of our um, communication channels called GE Reports about some of the GE um, folks whose, whose families um, were part of D-Day. So, you know, we try to look always for sort of that humanity, that human angle, specifically mind share over market share. Um, you know, we both are important, obviously, um, and we certainly never want to sacrifice market share. But, you know, we are a company that's involved in a small number of highly impactful spaces, healthcare, transportation through our aviation division, renewable energy, um, and, and overall power, gas power, et cetera, in 180 plus countries around the world. And when we go to market um, and whoever it is we're meeting with, it is often not just to solve one particular problem, but to think about from the point of view of our customer, what's the impact we're trying to drive at a level where it's, you know, how do you bring electricity to people who've never had it? Um, how do you think about healthcare in really remote areas where, you know, people might have to walk um, half a day to get to uh, uh, a maternity ward? So, you know, we're thinking about these things in a way that I think calls for thought leadership and a a a um a point of view not just at a product level you know you sell products you sell services but it's the it's the um outcomes and the impact that is often the way that we are entering those conversations particularly in parts of the world where our customer is the government and they've got big challenges on their plates I'm sure that there are a bunch of different ways in, in, in you know in which you are needing to provide this 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 influence and, and thinking about it. So that's a great perspective on mindshare over market share and, and and to the broader question. I really appreciate that. Now the customers being the government, of course, is one thing, and I know that you've talked a little bit about uh, arenas in which customers are regular people. I, I want to jump over to uh, to a quote you had recently. You were speaking with Adweek, and you were talking about today's advertising broadly. And you mentioned that we need to be more conscious than ever about adding value to the viewing experience specifically and talking about how commercials and, and interruptive marketing is becoming more and more of a nuisance for your typical streaming audience or your audience in general, specifically younger people. I'm, I'm curious, 
you know, when you talk about the way in which we can be engaging consumers and engaging people, uh, how might we fill that interruptive void or replace it? Specifically, I'm curious if if using stories of real people can be helpful. I think you alluded to that just a second ago, but I'm curious as to your take. Yeah, let's. I want to come at this two different ways. So, you know, I think I, when I spoke to Ad Week, it was in the midst of Game of Thrones, probably. <laughs> and, um, you know, it just hit me again, as it does, I think, for probably many of the folks listening here, that a lot of what I consume, and I think a lot of what is being consumed, is commercial free. And I think when you do choose as a marketer, and you know, I presume the audience of, of this is, is largely marketeers, you know, what is the context with which your content is coming forward? Look, um, there are all kinds of fans out there, um, people who read a copy of, of a fashion magazine are probably just as interested in the ads as they are in, in the feature articles. And so when I think about interruption and annoyance, you know, I know personally, I get annoyed when I am being served an ad that is interrupting me that has no context that perhaps is something that I've already bought. If I bought a sofa, I probably don't need six more in the same color on the same day. So, you know, I think being incredibly conscious of who it is uh, you're talking to, what they're deeply interested in, and what that content looks like is super important. So let me make it real. Um, you know, we've been doing more and more experimentation on Reddit as a channel. We know that, you know, Reddit has a, a passionate audience. Um, they're quick to voice things they don't like um, and good for them for doing it. Um, so recently we were uh, talking about 3D manufacturing, 3D printing, what we call additive manufacturing here at GE. And we had done a collaboration with a fashion designer, Zach Posen, where he used our, um, the, uh, the way we approach 3D printing to 3D print dresses for the Met Gala here in New York, the big fashion moment of the year. And so we had some content pictures and process, et cetera, on a channel like Reddit. And the users absolutely loved it. They geeked out on it. So I think, you know, again, not to belabor this point, but I think thinking about what your what your audience is really going to groove on just matters a whole lot. So so I would say that's something that that we try real hard to to think about as we think about um, uh, interruption and how to engage audiences. Give the right audiences more of what they love and I think you just stand a whole better a whole lot better a chance of delighting them versus um disappointing them. I would agree. Becoming much more sort of customized, personalized, one to one the way that you're building content experiences and relationships with consumers. Listeners of this show will know that's something that we scream to the high heavens. But um, I'm glad to hear that reflected in, in yours as well. And I did uh, read up about uh, the the dress and I am glad that that Reddit <laughs> experienced it well you know they're they're uh it's funny i you know i heard a lot of times it can be a crude public but i'm glad that uh you guys came out on the positive end of that look 
you know, you, that's what you do. You experiment and you, you, you sort of take the temperature. And, you know, I think sometimes, I mean, not to oversimplify this, Adam, but, you know, you kind of want to be invited to the party and you want to be a good guest when you're there. And you think about it, you know, um, being being rude and 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 overly boisterous and and, you know, sort of making comments at a party that that, you know, people are like, what are you doing here? And so I think you just I don't know, maybe this is in, in some some convoluted way, you know, helped by my early study of psychology. I don't know. But I I think you just got to be conscious of of um, what people's expectations are, which is not to say not to put forward our brand voice, which we do, and we do, I think, with, you know, sort of the right, you know, interest level authority, but, you know, do it with um, with good grace. Yeah, I think that's right. That's a great point, too. You certainly don't want to come off as, as tone deaf, and I think that's probably the lightest yeah. way to put that. Yeah, um, no, I agree. So that you I agree. Uh, yeah, because it's almost as, you know, it, at that point, it would almost be like, well, the very interruptive nature that we're trying to buck. So, um, yeah. So I totally get that. The idea of getting more tailored to yeah. groups, yeah. to individuals, this is also a, a POV you recently shared when it comes to t- TV advertising. And yep. specifically, I'm going to go back to Adweek. You had a great quote here when you're talking about upfronts. <laughs> Adweek's getting for, a lot uh, of props. Adweek's getting yeah, a lot they of props are, right? in this podcast. I love them, so it's yeah, all good. Yeah, they certainly are. <laughs> hey, Nadine, you listening? Get over to me. Um <laughs> For listeners, Nadine Dietz is the host of CMO Moves over at Adweek uh, behind the brand, which is great. Uh, so uh, you were talking specifically about uh, about upfronts, and for uh, listeners again, this is when uh, networks and advertisers to get together to show their slate to see what sort of advertising would make sense for given programs. Uh, and, and you mentioned that it would probably make sense down the road to be taking different approaches that that are much more bespoke, much more yeah. tailored to individuals or, or to sectors. Um, and I'm. I'm curious because that was a great point of view. And now that we've been talking a little bit about the different ways in which GE is engaging people across mediums, how do you think that that POV might extend beyond TV and into other ways in which brands are engaging with people? Yeah, no, I, I love this question. Appreciate the the you know the 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 feedback on it. Um, so you know, I think that um. You said a little a few minutes ago that I, you know, had some mantras I'd done kind of like a for for us just for our team here like a media manifesto some years ago that I've refreshed over over time. But one of the things that that I I talked about. I don't know, God, six, seven years ago was act like a programmer. And look, you know, I'm not confused about what business GE is in. We're we're not in the publisher business. We're not in the broadcast business. There are people that are really good at that. That being said, finding or at times creating our own channels has been a very successful thing for us. So, you know, I'll give you a couple of quick examples. One is, you know, back in 2009, so I guess that's like happy 10th birthday, um, we created something called GE Reports, which is in some ways, a, I guess you could call it a company blog, but boy, it's like the best written company blog ever. We hired a journalist and uh, we put this out um, uh, twice a week as a newsletter and have, you know, 100,000 loyal um, readers. And it's going all the way back to, you know, a couple minutes ago talking about human. The stories are are the kinds of stories, you know, you, you'd, you'd 
I think, um, see and want to read anywhere, right? They've got, you know, um, they're beautifully written, they're super interesting. So in that case, we created our own channel. In other cases, we partner. Again, back to the fact that we know who we are, and I, I like to think we know who we're not. We've partnered with so many different outlets over time. New York Times, we've done a couple great things with in terms of um, uh, 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 VR several years back. Uh, we did an audio magazine with them about, uh, God, it's coming up uh, this fall on, on sort of the anniversary of that. Uh, we've done podcasting quite successfully. Um, so, I, you know, I think this is a simple one for, for folks listening. Um, we want to be where audiences are. And if everybody was on three or four channels and they were, you know, watching the ads and all the rest of it, our lives would be pretty easy. But, you know, channels have proliferated. There are various ways to consume things. Sometimes, you know, we find that you zig when others zag. We've we've been in newspapers recently and found that that can be an attention-getting way of reaching the right audience. So, um, and we like to experiment. Um, sometimes it's even user generated. Some years back, too many years back, I shouldn't. I should probably stop using this example. It's just one of my favorites. We created when when Twitter launched Vine something called Six Second Science, where we created little six second videos. We did one or two, and then turned them over to the world and said, "Hey, send us send us your ideas." So and and got a just an avalanche of responses. So I, I think there's there's any number of different channels. I do think it goes back to, and I think we'll probably wind up talking a little bit about the A word authenticity, but knowing yourself well and uh, figuring out how to bring that voice forward. Yeah, for sure. And um, I've been a big fan of, of that sort of user generated side. Of course, I'm glad it's been one of your favorites. And uh, I was also recently encouraged to hear that the person who had founded Vine is uh, now going to make something that's very similar to it called Byte. So you might have another shot at that. Ooh, I like that. It's a good name. Yeah. yeah. So um, speaking on this subject, because I know, and I got this one from uh, your LinkedIn, that uh, you're passionate about new digital media and concepts mm. that fuse content design and technology. And, and we're previewing a few of those now. I, I think you've just mentioned uh, a few of them. Yeah. I'd love to know both on maybe a, a few examples, and I know you've just talked about them, but maybe beyond tactics in experiences, how you're leaning into that today. Because I know, and I'll go back to the mantras, another one of them is to create intimate experiences. So yeah. I'd love to get your thoughts there. Yeah, I know 100%. So, so I'd say a couple different things here. Um, you know, whenever we as a brand can sit in the 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 center of innovation, technology, and cultural relevance, that's such a win for us. We just talked about the Met Gala. I'll tell you why I love that beyond, you know, the 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 fun of working with a, you know, a, a fashion genius like Zach Posen. Um, it was it was kind of like 3D marketing. If you if you know what I mean, Adam, like it was truly bringing the brand to life, and I think when you do that, it's hard for people not to remember and engage. 
I mean, over the years, I'll give you a more recent example in a second, but we've done what I'll call 3D any number of different ways um, from, you know, setting up kind of um, big shipping containers and allowing people to, to hands-on play with um, uh, laser printing and 3D manufacturing and get a sense as to what that would be um, to um, to what we did recently at the Met to um, something that we've done for uh, maybe three years in a row where we use drone technology to show off um, our our technology at work in different locations around the world. So uh, last year for Drone Week, we went to five different facilities around the world. Um, we worked with uh, Viceland. So this wound up being a, a five-part series on Viceland. The stories were told by some of our employees and our customers to bring to life our technology. And a lot of the footage was was shot overhead with 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 drones. And you know what I what I love about that is GE is a brand that is has high awareness. I think if you said to the average person, GE, you'd get real strong awareness. Um, however, people understanding what we do, um, the fact that, you know, healthcare, aviation, power, renewables are our key businesses, you know, versus, you know, what they may have thought of years ago, appliances, lighting, et cetera, um, is, is quite important. Understanding how it works, what the, what the impact is, again, important. And then the thing I'd say is, you know, GE is, um, when we're doing our best work, we're kind of invisible. You know, when the power's on, Things are good. I, most of the time, you don't walk into a room and say, "Oh my God, thank God the power's on. Thank God the air conditioning's on. Thank God the you know the plane's taken off and the jet engines are are working or the wind turbines are are spinning or what have you." So you know, sometimes making the um, what is less obvious and bringing it in to to um, people's view and finding different ways to do that, uh, making the invisible visible and using drones or using podcasts or using 3D materials or ways that just drive a different level of, of engagement. So I think you probably tell from my voice, I do get excited about these things. Um, I just, what we do here has such impact. It matters in ways that I think um, I'm prejudiced, but I think few companies, few technologies do in a in a world changing game changing way, and it's um, just a constant puzzle, but like a fascinating puzzle to figure out how to bring those stories to life, and then to work with our businesses to um, connect the dots and and drive demand. Yeah, it must be a privilege to be able to tackle those those interesting challenges and questions uh, every single day. And, and it is, it's palpable in the way that you're even responding to show uh, sort of your excitement and enthusiasm specifically about this. So that's, that's wonderful. Um, and I know that you experienced that with GE, but also more broadly, I know that you are uh, sort of in constant contact with a ton of fantastic people on the board of and as its chair of the ad council. So you are seeing brands all around the world who who are tackling their own challenges and questions but also, you know, focusing on I would think a slightly higher purpose with a mind on on public service and what we can be doing in media. 
I wanted to ask a question based on that experience and that broad expertise in leadership. You know, from what you see or have been having recent conversations in, over the next, say, 6, 12 months, um, you know, what are some of the most important or, or pertinent, I guess, issues or, or purposes or questions that brands and advertisers are, are asking? Yeah, so talk about a privilege. Um, I'm uh, just finishing my one-year chair of the Ad Council. I'll be turning that over to, to somebody fabulous, David Fisher at, at Facebook. But I've had a year of working really closely with um, with the president of the Ad Council, uh, Lisa Sherman, and, and they just do wonderful work. So huge shout out there. So, you know, whether it's at the Ad Council or, or ANA or, or just, you know, sort of various conversations, here's the topics that, that come up a lot. And I I'm glad they do because I think they're the important topics. Sometimes urgent gets in the way of important. I think these are important things. So, um, doing work that is uh, uh, that matters, standing for something, um, always always is an important part of the conversation. You can imagine how it is at the Ad Council. I think increasingly, though, it is for companies. The Edelman Trust Barometer in 2019, the one that always comes out at the beginning of the year talked about um, the importance of, of knowing what you stand for as a company. We can debate whether that's, you know, because of the state of, you know, how people perceive politics, leadership, et cetera. But I think the role that business plays in um, meaningful work is really important for brand leaders. I think that gets you into, you know, what companies are doing from a CSR point of view, sustainability. I know that's on the minds of our employees. Diversity and inclusion, similarly, on the minds of our employees, on the minds of of brand leaders. Um, I'm, again, super glad to see that. And, you know, what provoked it? Was it Me Too? Was it Time's Up? I don't know, but I'm super glad that that it was provoked. Um, You can't have a conversation without talking about brand safety. Um, And it's... um, you know, it's it's one of those things that uh, we're all in it together, you know, the platforms and the brands. But, you know, we all want to be in environments that are um, that are the right environments. It kind of goes back, Adam, to so much of, we talk, of what we talked about here. I think consumers are incredibly savvy. And at the same time, if your brand shows up someplace that is compromised, I don't know that they that you get a whole lot of forgiveness on that one. So, you know, you, you you can't you can't do things without, you know, trying and skinning your knees a little bit, but but safety, transparency, incredibly important. And then let me circle and I don't know if we'll end on this one or not, but you know, I mentioned before the the A word and and um it's so overused to talk about being authentic and yet it's so important because I think the level of savviness when everybody is a citizen um, uh, journalist, citizen media person. We're all putting content into the world. Now, it may not all be good content, but we're all putting content into the world. So, you know, we have a a very savvy audience, um, uh, set of audiences. And I think when you misstep when you're, you use the word tone deaf before, when you're tone deaf, when you're dopey, um, when you're not true as a brand to who you are, your DNA, the soul of a company, 
wow, you can misstep really fast. And, you know, we've had uh, 127 years to, to build our brand and reputation. Uh, we never take it for granted. We know that, you know, that's that's our, our deposits in the bank. And, you know, it doesn't take much to, to you know, for, the, for those withdrawals to, to happen. So I think knowing who you are um, is just so vital. And, um uh, and finding, fighting for as marketers, um, a couple things: fighting for that voice, fighting for um, the um, the knowledge of what the end consumer, your audience, is looking for, and making sure that you're connecting those dots between, you know, your DNA and what your audience expects of you. I, I think that's, you know. Is is that today or is that age old? I, I guess I'd say it's kind of both. That's fantastic insight on, yes, that much overused A word, but one important in authenticity. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to use another A word to close this out, and that would be advice. Yeah. And I ask this for every guest that I have, but um, you know, our audience is full of, of budding uh, marketers, people starting mm-hmm. their own brands, people running brands. And uh, I'm sure they would love to hear from you based on your your, your vast left turns and right turns of experience, both with GE and beyond, what tips you might have for somebody who's maybe trying to get started or just trying to get incrementally more authentic in the way that they put themselves out there and put their content out there? Yeah, yeah, it's such a great question. Um, A couple of thoughts. Um, One is get out of your comfort zone in every way possible. And that's um, from the people that you spend time with, um, to the the things that you read, um, whether that's books or magazines or articles, you know, don't stay in a bubble. You know, read a divergent point of view. Read something that's completely different than than you know what you're working on. Um, for me, I'm a you know sort of a culture junkie. I love movies and museums and fiction and gardening and you know I don't know somehow I find a way to knit those lessons back, or else it just clears my mind enough that I'm able to you know let some new thoughts in. I'm a big fan of of uh, spending time with people who are really different than I am. For me, it's a lot of folks. And tech and startup community, a lot of folks early in their career who who I can learn from. So, so that would be the first one: get out of your comfort comfort zone. Um, the second is um, uh, to think about the. Um, I used this phrase before: the uh, important over the urgent. You know, I, I think we're all busy, right? Everything's everything is. Um, uh, overloaded, you know, email, texting, phones, meetings. And I think trying to pull back and say, what are those couple things? And I have to say, in this case, I'm learning um, all the time. We have a new CEO. I guess he's been, Larry Culp's been our CEO for maybe eight, going on nine months. He's the most focused individual I've ever met. He is brilliant when it comes to prioritizing, and, and I'm taking lessons there of just, you know, how do you make your mark on fewer things. I think sometimes as marketers, and I should just speak for myself on this one, you know, you can, I can be a little peripatetic. So I think that's an important one. Um, have conviction around um, some ideas. Um, and don't don't be afraid of, of putting yourself out there on some things. Um, 
everybody has a different style. Some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, but I think finding your voice and finding a way to be heard um, is, is, is really quite important. So, you know, those are, those are a couple of things. And, and maybe um, finally, um, and in some ways it knits back to, to where we started, um, find something you're passionate about. And, um, you know, I have two kids um, who are um, in their 20s and at the moment both in the biz. <laughs> um, and so it's wonderful watching them uh, discover what it is they're particularly interested in. And, and that's what I kind of always go back to with them is, you know, you know, what lights you up. And uh, if you can find that and pursue it, you know, nothing's better. Well, fantastic pieces of insight here, and uh, hopefully the listeners will take that away and, and as they move through the biz themselves, um, can hopefully use that to, to emulate your journey, which I think is a fantastic <laughs> one to hear about, and uh, on all the preceding questions, just really wonderful to talk to you. Linda, thanks so much for, for joining Authentic Influence. It's been a pleasure to learn more from you. Adam, I loved it. Thank you so much, and everybody who's listening, thanks so much. Thanks so much to Linda Boff for joining today's episode of Authentic Influence. It was a pleasure to hear your perspective. And to you, the listener, I hope you enjoyed as well. If you've enjoyed listening today or to the other episodes we have live, feel free to leave us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen and stay subscribed so you get our content as soon as it releases. You can also contact me on LinkedIn, Adam Connor, or via email, adam.connor at govavoom.com. That's G-O-V-I-V-O-O-M dot com. You'll also be able to find all of our episodes on podcast.vavoom.co. I'll be back again in two weeks with another fantastic story on how a top global brand is becoming more authentic and getting real with its consumers. Until then, I've been Adam Connor, and for Authentic Influence, you'll hear from me again next time.